You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Uh, if you didn't get to the episode I put up last night of uh, with Samantha Bunton, obviously, you know, former Cleveland resident and, you know, obviously works with NBCSports.com out of uh, New York City now. Go ahead, give it a listen. Samantha, A number one, is just an absolutely fantastic person, uh, but also a diehard Cleveland sports fan. So it's always good to get her on and... Uh, Fantastic listen, and uh, besides Pete, who I do like, one of uh, you know, one of my other uh, favorite people to talk to, uh, Samantha's just great gal, and knows things uh, pretty well. And obviously, we get to get some good insight as far as Sheldon Richardson and Odell Beckham, with her obviously being in NYC for all those years, and knowing about those two players, and obviously things of that nature. Uh, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, brought to you tonight by Hotels.com. Don't get the blues looking at you know your social media feeds. People are on vacation, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter. Use Hotels.com, guys. Um, you know, make your own plans. Make your own getaway. Uh, get rewarded. Basically, everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Always for the sponsorship of the podcast from the good folks at Hotels.com. The Himalaya podcast app, whether uh, it's Google, whether it's Apple, available there, available both. Uh, go ahead, check it out. Um, if you're looking for something different, uh, you know, like I've always tried to tell you, they have, you know, the personally curated playlist means what they follow, what you follow or subscribe to, and then you know, start suggesting things that might also interest you. Um, also, you are allowed to have more input into each episode things you cannot do through itunes so if that's something you choose to do uh go ahead to check out uh whether it's you know in the google store or the apple uh, the itunes store and get the himalaya app and make sure you are subscribed to locked on browns uh pete smith along for the ride here uh as we take you on through uh i guess we'll start with i I guess was one of the headlines of the day pete and uh hard knocks um you know it's always difficult because i think when you have teams with so much on the line, they're the ones that are usually like, I don't know if I want all this around. Um, so then what, if you can't get a lot of, the better teams, it's like, well, you know, what's going to, what's going to cause some ratings. And, you know, last year, obviously Cleveland was a prime example, you know, probably turned out a lot better than Hard Knocks thought it was going to be at the time, but you got some juicy stuff with obviously the Corey Coleman stuff. You got to see a little bit of Baker. Um, you got to see, all you needed to see from you know, where the coaching staff was headed. Uh, Oakland Raiders, uh, John Gruden, and you know that's where the folks are headed this year. It, it, it should be quite interesting, Pete. Um, so it's really interesting from a couple standpoints. Obviously, John Gruden is very media savvy, having uh, been in the broadcast booth and having a ton of exposure. But at the same time, the Raiders are a dumpster fire, and they have a lot of people that they can't really control theoretically anyway. Uh, so there's a lot of things that could play out. For example, Antonio Brown could show up and continue uh, to be mad at everything Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Richie Incognito is on your team. Um, he may do something Richie Incognito-ish, which I hope not, but that could be a thing. You've got an owner like Mark Davis, uh, and you know, you're moving. So there's a million things that could sort of go wrong here the Raiders aren't very good uh their draft was pretty shitty and uh, they're just very little seems to be going in a good direction so I you know I I think everybody's going to be watching this standpoint of is it going to how ugly will it be uh and my question is can can they be worse than Hugh Jackson my inclination would be no 
but I'm relieved of the fact that if I'm watching this, it'll be with the knowledge of, thank God it's not the Browns on it this year, and all 32 teams are laughing at somebody, or 31 teams, and then the Raiders fans are all cringing, watching uh, their team uh, do all these things that are stupid and being criticized. Well, and also, obviously, you know, you put Mike Mayock into the mix. Obviously, you know, he's obviously, you know, very comfortable and, you know, should work out well in front of a camera. Um, it, it was a big, big draft class for the Oakland Raiders. So, um, you know, Cleveland Farrell and uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, John Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State. So, you know, rookies always make for a nice storyline. Um, what, you know, you're going to see what exactly is going on with Derek Carr and John Gruden because it's very rare. I mean, it, it, it's slim that a quarterback is going to, I mean, a, a coach is going to come take over a franchise and not eventually want to go to his guy. You know, if you like Derek Carr, that's fine, but this is just the way these things work. I'm trying to think, you know, what else there is appealing. Yes, oh my God. I mean, if you if the Raiders sign the paperwork without saying Richie Incognito is not allowed to be covered in any way whatsoever, he is not allowed to be mic'd up, he's not allowed to have a camera on him, because, I mean, there could be a possibility you're seeing one drill and there's Richie Incognito, you know, beating the crap out of somebody 35 yards to the left of the screen or behind the play or something of that nature. So, you know, he's definitely the, the lightning rod there, and I hope the Raiders were at least smart enough with that. But, you know, obviously there'll be peaks into, you know, a Vegas. I'm sure they'll find some way to do, like, you know, where the stadium is at now and that type of stuff. And I, I do believe, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, I think they're playing a they're playing a preseason game in Canada this year. Yeah, and it's like in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, like literally, it's it, like it's look, it's not it's not Toronto and it's not Montreal. It's not it, uh, like uh, the name that jumps to me is Winnipeg. I really hope it's not Winnipeg, but I think it's Winnipeg. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, there are some some potentially really good storylines to follow. Obviously, they drafted a ton of dudes. You know, I don't think many of them were good picks, but they do have a lot of guys that at least of interest to follow. I mean, you've got Cleveland Farrell, you've got. Josh Jacobs, you've got, you know, all, all these guys that you brought in that could be interesting. Derek Carr is, you know, uh, probably going to be picked on quite a bit by people watching because, you know, he's a uh, super religious guy and, you know, he's, he's you know, very passionate about that. And I expect they're going to do some some stuff about his camps and some of the stuff he does and people will poke fun of him because he, he, he's become a very easy target to uh, poke fun at uh, in addition to the, you know, the common refrain about him wearing, you know, looking like he was wearing eyeliner. Um, <laughs> you know, I, look, I don't think there's any upside for any team going on a hard knock. So it's basically mitigating the damage. Uh, so it's fascinating. I, I guess the one of the things that will be interesting to watch is like, you know, after being in the media for all those years and, and John Gruden, you know, nominally liking everyone. <laughs> now they're going to have clips of him crushing people. I, I assume I, I can't imagine he's going to be that careful uh, that he's going to, you know, manipulate it. It looks that way. I expect there's going to be some guys that get ripped apart and, and that, you know, that idea is going to be, sort of done away with. So, you know, I'm not excited for hard knocks by any stretch. I, you know, it's not really my thing, but I, I'll, I'll end up watching it, if nothing else, just to sort of see how this thing goes. And, and again, thank God, you know, it's not the Browns again, because that was 
awful, cringeworthy the entire time. It was like watching watching the whole thing through your fingers. Yeah, and Ado, uh, one of my favorite was Corey Coleman. Why am I running with the twos? I don't know. You got to ask Todd. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that Dad, was... I mean, his ass came. You know, his, his oh, yeah. shorts came out and fell down, and his ass hung out when he dove into Lake Erie. You know, the whole driving the bus thing and having to remind his coaching staff, who was sort of like, you know, and uh, one of them was already had already been a former head coach. So I, I've been there. I know what yeah, it's the like. Yeah, the Todd Haley uh, look when uh, he was telling him about how he, he's been a head coach, despite the fact he's, you know, 131 and all this stuff. It was, you know, uh, there's just so much that was just genuinely awful. Uh, and there's no Bob Wiley, so there's not that. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they focus on, I suppose, what, what they ultimately determine is the story. You know, I, 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 who's going to be their guy that's really into rocks, um, and that type of stuff, uh, you know, what are they going to do instead of the QB, RV, and all that kind of crap? So I expect it's going to be, be Derek a, Carr's Bible service. Yeah, I mean, it's I expect it's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot on those young guys and John Gruden, and and as much as um, as much as possible around John Gruden and those and those rookies. And that was the thing with Tampa, you know, Derek Brooks and you know, Warren Sapp, these guys will all speak very well. They want a boatload of games um, in a team that's not doing very well and you might not have much success. And now John Gruden being older. John Gruden, I'm Gruden being a pain in the ass. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. And, of course, you won't have Freddie saying, I understand that you're okay with these guys not practicing, but can they at least, like, participate and be available? Um, and, of course, Pete, we're going to have to, you know, set the meter for who's going to change the culture because that's going to be a big one of course you know because that that's what the purpose of this show is now is is who's changing the culture of said franchise so uh hard knocks and even i do remember last year because i remember every we all watched the first night and then the next day you know i, I messaged pete i'm like what eh, it's not really my thing i probably should watch it huh I'm like, yeah you probably should watch it and and eventually pete you know went ahead threw his hat in the ring and uh didn't actually watch it so um, well, the stuff I, I'd like to see, I, I don't, I don't see, and I understand that's not really the show. But uh, you know, I'd rather look at. But even like show one on ones, or you know, I mean, you know, I understand there's not so much football stuff you can reveal, but give me one on ones, give me something football wise. I but I like the stuff where you know they're in position meeting groups, even if they're talking about sort of random stuff. That's the stuff I'm sort of interested in. I like, you know, I like the the stuff with Jarvis Landry working with Antonio Callaway. I like. You know, that type of stuff is more interesting than, you know, the random factoids about said player. And it's not that I don't, you know, I, I have no problem with them sort of following the underdog story of a guy who's trying to make a team. Oh, uh, who was the tight end last year? That He was like one of the main stars. Yeah, uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I just know. That yeah, there the, was the left tackle from West Virginia. Kajust? That was the tight end or whatever. The same last name as the tackle from West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Devin Kajus, Devin Kajus, and yeah, he loved rocks and has since retired to yep. focus on. That. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, the underdog story of Kajus is fine. I just, you know, it got went a little far for me. Where like uh, people were heartbroken that he didn't make the final fifty-three. It's like, well, it's a great. Seems like he's a really nice kid, but uh, you need ball players. <laughs> right. So you know, again, it's not. I don't love it. I, I I'd rather get more into the whole. You know them discussing football thing. I get it. It's not really a show, and I also get it that they're you know 
there's only so much they can show, but that stuff is more, those nuggets are more interesting to me than sort of the, you know, the, the fluff stuff. But again, that's, you know, I, it's not for me. I, you know, I, I've made peace with that. Hard Knocks is not, you know, being, uh, you know, marketed specifically to, toward me. It wants a more general audience, which is fine. Yeah, and you, I always like the, you know, the one coach, you know, stamping for one player and then, you know, uh, and, you know, this guy just continues, no, well, this is my guy, I'm telling you, and, you know, and, and you follow that one guy to see how it works out, and, you know, usually it doesn't work out because if you're the position coach, you're usually too far down on the totem pole to have a final say, so to speak. Um, we obviously, you know, have uh, some things to do here, some bills to pay. The folks over at Grip Six Belt. Their goal is literally to make the best belt that ever has been made. Grip 6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, and grandpas. With Father's Day coming, guys, put together a, get a solid present, get a bunch of little presents. Do something for dad, do something for grandpa, you know, let them know that you appreciate all they've done for you over the years. Also, uh, you know, moms, grandmas, aunts, uh, they do have a women's line here. You got something, some need, whatever, check out Grip 6. Get, in, get them something over there. Ultra lightweight with no holes. No flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt, again, with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip 6 has a special offer for all of you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. And to the folks at Grip 6, thank you for your sponsorship of Locked On Browns. And Pete, what you got for us? Look, it's the classic tale of man versus machine, uh, and this one's taking place on on a, on, a, on the battlefield of sex. Um, look, you, you know, we are sort of technology is 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 moving leaps and bounds, and 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 the advances uh, with vibrators and those other things are, uh, are 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 putting you in a hole. And Bluetooth's here to sort of make up that ground and put you back in the driver's seat. Uh, it's all about consistency. Consistency consistency if i can talk it's all about your a game making sure that every time is the, you know you're at your best uh it's blue chew like the color uh it, it brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredient as viagra viagra and cialis so you know they work you can take them anytime day or night even on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready time anytime the opportunity arises but uh look you you you, you got to compete uh, you know, this a football podcast, and and we're talking about the Browns, and always stressing competition. This is your this is your opportunity to make sure you're always at your most competitive, so you don't lose that battle. And it's you know got to be something like practice. I mean, you can't sit these things out. You got to be ready to go. Uh, check out bluechew.com if you're interested. Promo code locked on, uh, and hey, give it a whirl. Uh, even if you think you're performing at an A performance. Maybe you can perform at an A-plus performance. Thanks to the folks over at Blue Chew. Well, it's not that I... I didn't want to get this and, and go down this barrel again. But uh, obviously you guys have a bunch of stuff here. And, and I guess we'll... I, I hate to dive into this again because you guys know me and Pete's stance. But some of these questions were phrased so good that I, I, I think we do have to address it. And obviously the Duke Johnson, the purple elephant in the room, pink elephant, however you want to term it or whatever. And uh, first one here, I just want to make sure I get it from the the right source here. And I believe it was J.C. Moore. Um, it's – is it Tom Moore? There we go. Uh, at Tom underscore red right 88. Good job there, by the way, Tom. 
Um, why do some Browns fans have this irrational hatred for Duke Johnson? And this is part of it. And we've gone over this for years. And Pete, and even when the talks first started, for us it was, I wouldn't move on from Duke Johnson. I'd find a way to use him more, which we told you all last fall. And we've always said that there should be more of a role for Duke Johnson. And part of it is being is this guy has been in the NFL for four years. He averages 6.5 yards every time he touches the ball. That's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to sustain. So it shows you, yes, we all know he is probably a much more productive receiver at the running back position than he is you know, a true runner of the football. It doesn't mean you can't find a way to have him succeed in both roles. My thing is, is just because... You know, obviously not John Dorsey. And again, Pete and I have told you this many times. We're not upset with the job John has done, but we're going to take every move as it comes across the plate. It's like dinner. Babe, sorry, the chicken's a little overcooked. Or me, honey, you know, my, my wife, uh, the steak's a little rarer than I like. You take every move as it comes. Duke Johnson is a really, really good player. And I think a lot of it is now that and I don't know if you guys are you know, missing this part, is yes, he was on the block for a couple of months. They couldn't get what they wanted. And did Duke use the best terminology? No, he did not. He didn't. That's fine. He did not. But at the end of the day, don't change your stance just because all of a sudden John Dorsey's now calling the shots. Because I know when I said, look, if you're going to move on from Duke, okay, I get it. You're going to move on. And I had people coming at me from that. A lot of people. But now all of a sudden, because John Dorsey, you know, maybe is in the in the driver's seat, it seems like you've all have changed your stance on Duke because of the general manager. That It's okay to still like John Dorsey. It's okay to still like Duke Johnson and still love the Browns and realize, Pete, that this has turned into a colossal mess. Um, so there's many things with this. First, uh, the idea that Johnson is a bad player now because marginal, he he, marginal Pete, marginal third down back. Uh, he he's a bad player now because he said something you didn't agree with is stupid, and I'm not. I'm just not interested. He's been a good player. He didn't suddenly become a bad player uh, based on what he's done to this point because he said something you didn't agree with. Further. Most people seem to be ignoring what he actually said, and all these people are coming with this, well, John Dorsey's doing his job. You know who else thinks John Dorsey is doing his job? Duke Johnson. When he says John Dorsey is do- doing his job, and trade if trading me gets them a bigger, better piece, I get it. I'm okay with that. These are words that came out of his mouth. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I, I don't agree with – John Dorsey and what he says in public that he does not get out of a press conference without saying something regrettable or at least something he shouldn't have, or I would call unforced errors. That does not mean he's a bad GM, but when you come in and say the Browns need real football players, that's, he didn't need to say that. It just wasn't unnecessary. Calling out David, David Njoku, I believe when you were at the, was it the senior bowl or the combine? Combine. Combine. Because I, I remember Jeff Rizd, it wasn't Jeff Rizd, one of the ones who tweeted about it. Yeah, I mean, bringing that up at random at the Combine is, you know, it, it's unnecessary. He's not the coach. 
like if if Freddie Kitchens or Stump Mitchell or somebody else comes out and goes, well, the Browns should really do this, you know, from a personnel standpoint, they should really trade for this guy. You would understandably be saying that's not your job. The same way, this is not his job. And even if even if you believe John Dorsey is okay in doing this, go talk to the player. Like, don't like. It's just unnecessary to come out and go, well, this needs to happen. You know, this player needs to do this thing. And in the case of what was a debacle press conference from start to finish with the Kareem Hunt thing, uh, where he he was just embarrassing from start to finish, he made that stupid uh, comment about Duke Johnson not being expendable yet. And that's where this all started. And that's that doesn't make uh, Duke Johnson wrong because they felt like uh, that trust was broken. Uh but again, the other other things I have gotten, Duke Johnson is tr- forcing a trade. He's not. He said has said, I would like a trade, but I'm. It's not going to. Pre- but wanting a trade is not going to prevent me from balling out this year. I'm not going to be a disgruntled employee. You know, Freddie Kitchens comes out and goes. Duke Johnson's a professional. He's always been a professional. I expect he's always going to be a professional. We're twisting things that either he didn't say or we didn't actually listen to what he did say. I've got people coming up with conspiracy theories about how Duke Johnson's behind his agent's husband tweeting things. Uh, you know, and then and the latest one that I got, you know, before we tape the pod is, well, Duke Johnson, you know, became the story of minicamp. Duke Johnson was the story of minicamp, even if he said nothing. If we said nothing and turned down the media availability, everybody would talk, be talking about the fact that Duke Johnson didn't say anything and reading meaning into that. If Duke Johnson came out and was the good soldier, we'd be talking about that. Whether that be, means we think he's going to stay, we think he's going to still be traded, whatever. He was the story. There's one unresolved issue coming into a three-day minicamp. It was what was ha- going to happen with Duke Johnson. We, he, and we he, told you this going into this. We literally told you guys this. Was going to be the story. The fact that him uh, oh, answering questions, which, by the way, you already knew the answer to, and answering them honestly and thoughtfully uh, does not mean he became the story of minicamp. That was always going to be the There were three things you were going to get out of minicamp, and you still did, even with Duke Johnson. You were going to get Duke Johnson's status. You were going to get a bunch of... Pictures, video, and everything else you could, as much as Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham, as humanly possible. And you were going to get people asking about Gerald McCoy and what, you know, what the impact was of not getting him. You still got all the stuff you wanted. You got how did certain players look. You got quotes from the coaching staff about how things are going to work as much as you could for three days of minicamp. The only reason this Duke Johnson thing has continued to be a story is because people keep whining about it and all the... The the various things he's done to hurt the team and and how he's he's a distraction in all this. If you compare that to what's going on in Baltimore, where a dude was thrown off the field for being too fat or their quarterback (laughs) can't throw or anything else, those are actual things. This is a completely non story. And I, I don't know how. Browns fans are going to deal with something that actually happens. The Bengals are sitting there worried. Bengals fans are sitting there worried about whether Jonah Williams is actually really injured. Uh, these are real things. It, yeah. <laughs> That's, Johnson, yeah. 
Johnson saying, I'd like to get traded because the Browns already tried to trade me, but I'm going to be my the best player I can be while I'm here is not a distraction. It's not throwing anyone under the bus. It's not a professional crybaby. You can call it sensitive if you want, but that's about as far as you can go with this. Everything else about this is completely invented or blown out of proportion by people who will, you know, will will kill Duke Johnson, love Josh Cribbs, and conveniently uh, forget the fact that Josh Cribbs at one point told you fans to fuck off. And you have not remembered this, but you're mad at Duke Johnson for wanting to do what's best for him uh, and, and, and with consideration to the team. So, I, again, I, I, I think this comes down to people are either not actually listening to a very short media appearance or, or are, are just inventing problems on a team that's good and don't know how to handle it. All these things just are irritating. And, and, and the thing that really bothers me about this and why I get worked up about it is the re- rewriting of history of Duke Johnson, that he is now a bad player because yep. he said something like, or John Dorsey has tried to trade him. Like, I don't want to be, you know, quote-unquote Boston Red Sox fan where they trade anyone and suddenly that player is the worst player ever and all these other things. You can admi- you can everybody liked Duke before, including John Dorsey who signed him to an extension. He's not suddenly a bad player now. He didn't perform badly. You know, I I got today he was a bad blocker. Literally the best blocker on the team as, as a running back. That's why he was in there so much blocking. It became a a a, a giveaway that they were passing. Uh, the and one of the complaints from us, among others, was that Duke Johnson wasn't going out to catch passes enough because he was in there blocking so much. Like if you were to sit there and you had to play a game tomorrow and you said, which running back do I want to protect my quarterback? It's Duke Johnson every damn time. So if you don't like Duke Johnson now, that's fine. Don't tell me you do and then trash him. And then don't tell me he's a bad player and a third string running back because that's bullshit and doesn't make any sense. There's no that that's like saying that Nick Chubb was a backup running back because Carlo Hyde, Carlos Hyde was technically a starter. Is that really the w- way you want to go with this? That Carlos Hyde was a starter and Nick Chubb was just a backup? Like it's silly. You have a running back room. You want to call anyone the starter? That's fine. After that, it's you know w- what can this guy do for me on a given play? It's about finding the best the best role for guys. It's the same way that you know you have you know, the New England Patriots have uh, Sony Michelle. But James White is a really big part of their offense. It's not a question of who is starter, backup, or that somehow, uh, you know, not being the featured guy suddenly makes you uh, a bad player or, or, or unvaluable at that point. Like that part is just silly, and I, I and I I think the people doing it should be better. And this comes along with what Freddie did say about look, Duke's always been a pro; he'll always be a pro. Um, so the fact that Anytime you give him the ball, whether it's running or you throw it to him, you're going to get 6.5 yards because that is what he has done to this point. This leads the league on when PFF does those things about uh, elusiveness. He's always near the top of the list. He make, basically makes a guy miss every time he touches the ball. Like These are valuable commodities. Yes, and then you factor in the fact that he is a solid blocker, which A, requires intelligence because you need to be able to pick up. As a running back, you have no idea... You, you have a good idea who your guy is, but when the ball snaps, your guy could be the one who's about to kill your quarterback, so you may have to adjust what you're doing. So it shows intelligence, it shows want to, and mix that in with the fact that, yes, every time he touches the ball, 
you get close to seven yards. Um, I, I've seen people talk about the fact it's a money play from Duke. Dude, if Duke just watches this year, he's making $5 million. He's not. Nobody's going to give him more money now. Um, so that's not the issue. Um, his his agent's husband. Nobody has listened. To, I, I know I've gotten in Twitter arguments with with Luther Campbell over Florida State Miami and him saying Delvin Cook is a bum because he chose Florida Florida State at the last minute. He didn't even freaking get the kid's name right and then tried to say it was a typo. No, you try to pretend like you're this invested in it, but you're not. Nobody has listened to a word this guy has said since freaking banned in the USA from freaking two live crew. He's a nobody. He's also the guy that uh, made the made the case yes. that he fired because of race. Which shows just how far out of the realm you truly are with things. Nobody listens to a word this guy says. He was a he was a rapper with a hit for a freaking hot minute. And I tell you what, uh, if you want, let's get Tone Loke into the agent business, and he would have the same freaking credibility as freaking Luke Campbell. I, that just aggravates the living daylights out of me. And then the final one, uh, I have. Let me tell you, and with, as far as, and this is what I missed, and this was in regards to, you know, um, when you were talking about Dorsey and David Njoku, what you could have said is, David Njoku improves on a couple of things. He now goes into the conversation of one of the best in the league. That's phrasing things the correct way. And you want to know what? This gets back to David Njoku. What does David say? Hey, John. Hey, Mr. Dorsey, what, what did you mean? You know, and that's where he can say to him, if you can just get a little better with your blocking, maybe you're going to be elite. Don't specifically say it because it looks like you're calling the dude out. And so all he needed to say is if he can improve on a couple of things, and he's not even 23 years old yet, he's already going to be in conversation for one of the best at the position in the NFL. Say it that way. Don't say it with because the way you say it the other way, it's like your grandfather or an uncle who was always you know giving to the elbow to the ribs. It, but it doesn't work with the 2019 athlete. What they're doing to Duke Johnson does not work with athletes in 2019. And that is part of the biggest problem of this all is. And it's not that you have to coddle them. It's these guys are super freaking intelligent. And when you're talking about them, when they're not there, everything, even still, it gets pushed through social media and they hear it from reporters or their friends send it to them and they don't know what the hell the true meaning of it is because they weren't there. So you you need to be different, and we we went through this with Josh Rosen, and we went through this with Baker Mayfield, and a lot of these guys is it's a different ball game nowadays. These kids are smarter, a lot more intelligent, even though they're getting the league even younger, year in year out. But they're coming in smarter and more intelligent and more mature, and that is the biggest issue of it here. And you have to consistently adapt because the players will usually always last. The front office, the coaches is usually won't, and that's that's the part that frustrates me the most about that. And I cannot believe we went down this freaking rabbit hole again. But and this, this is the, the I, same people, or many of the same people who are you know mad at Duke or upset about Duke or whatever. Were mad at Miles Garrett for that joke. Were complained that Miles Garrett was too interested in other things. Complained about Baker Mayfield wearing a headband. Complained about Baker Mayfield wearing a T-shirt. Complained about Baker Mayfield doing this, that, and the other thing. Like you're saying, Duke Johnson is sensitive. Yet all these things set you off. I think you're you're looking at this backwards. 
I mean, the fact that Duke Johnson says anything and you're sitting there whining about, you know, what this is doing to the team would suggest that you are, in fact, the one that is sensitive. Most everyone else, including the head coach, are brushing it off and going, we'll be fine. Yep. And it, look, I mean, and this is, it, it, you know, and here's the other thing. Um, it, it quietly squashed any talk about Odell and other things. And the, you know what? This may be some stuff that the coaches are right with. Nobody's talking about Odell Beckham anymore, any of that stuff or whatever. Uh, Giovanni Ravise. Um, and this actually kind of goes hand in hand. But this has been going on a lot more lately. Um, we're getting a lot of people, whether they're trolls or they just genuinely disagree. Um, it, it, part of that goes along with this is, look, guys, you know, a lot of you... Look, Pete and I will make any football decisions for ourselves, and whether it's on players or anything that goes along with it, we're not going to say because the Browns made this move, it's a great move. I love it, and and I think look, and it's fine if you're pro Browns, but just because you were a huge fan of the Browns, which is fantastic, it doesn't mean that if it doesn't mean that we care any less about this team having the success that we think they can have. But we're not going to blow smoke up anybody's ass that doesn't deserve to have smoke blown up their ass. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things. First, you know, there's only so much to talk about. Uh, and Because it's June. <laughs> and, and a lot of it's theoretical. So, you know, and, and this happens after every draft. You know, uh, you know, la- last year, people, you know, or, or the year before, I had people selling me Miles Gear was going to be a nothing. Uh, this past year, I had people saying Baker Mayfield was going to be Johnny 2.0. This is what happened. Or when I said Deshaun Kaiser was bad, I had people, yeah, you know, you were right. p- people telling me that, well, he's going to be a franchise quarterback. You're an idiot. You don't know anything, all this stuff. So, you know, part of it is the excitement of, of the team. And the fact that people are excited is good. And, it, you know, that the, the fact that people are in our mentions or talking to us is a good thing, even if they're trolls. To a certain extent, and they're not, you know, some people are just passionate, and that's fine. And I, and I do appreciate the ones that say, look, you know, I, I don't disagree with you guys here, but normally I disagree with you. Cool. I, I'm totally cool with that. I don't expect you guys to go eye to eye because you want to know what? This would suck. And doing it every day would suck because it would be it would be gumballs, participation trophies, and see Mrs. Smith. She's going to take everybody out for ice cream afterwards. Yay! Right. So, I mean, like, Look, there's an element of fandom that's like, well, this is the best thing I've seen either in my lifetime or in 20 plus years. And I'm resistant to the fact of anyone saying negative, you know, anything about it. I I, I get it. I don't think that's particularly realistic. Um, But, you know, that's what happened. So we're in this mode where anything John Dorsey does must be great. So he picked he makes a draft pick. Uh, you know, we question it or, or, or like you're like me and I tell you that based on the data, Mac Wilson was terrible at Alabama and, you know, you get upset about it. That's fine. Uh, and, and we'll ultimately see who's right. I, I have no problem with the people who, who point out, you know, what I've gotten wrong when they actually point out what I've gotten wrong. Um, maybe you have to do that for them. <laughs> right. So like, you know, I, I, I think all that stuff is is honestly good. I mean, there are people who who do it poorly, or do it with a element of malice that is, you know, genuinely negative and 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 you know something we just want to get away from. But for the most part, it is just, you know, passionate fans who have an opinion. 
maybe phrased it poorly and the fact that it's Twitter and it's in, impersonal and all those things plays into it. You know, if you call me arrogant, that's fine. I'll live with that. I, I you know, whatever. Uh, but you know, yeah, that you, maybe you are. But yeah, I, I, you know, and my contention, contention confident, confidently arrogant. Well, I, I think my contention is you one. Uh, you know, this is the data as I, you know, I, I found. And B, it, you know, it would be boring if it was wishy-washy. It just would be. Uh, so that there's that type of stuff. But for the most part, I think it's good. I, I, I think a lot of it will, you know, die down when there's more to talk about. I think. Um, but uh, but you know, there, there there's this element of you know the, the fandom that's just. Uh, sick of you know sick of fans and, and and that I just have a hard time relating to people who are like that where you say anything isn't the greatest thing ever and you're not you get this quote unquote you're not a true fan or you're an idiot you know John Dorsey is the greatest thing or whatever um, that you know that's 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 really difficult to sort of rationalize look good things are good bad things are bad i'll tell you you know as far as i see them they are uh in the same way that you know i crushed them then drafting antonio callaway and i had any number of great reasons why to this point he has been everything right with uh you know everything he's done to this point has been great uh, i really hope we don't have to go back down that road I hope his life is, you know, changed. That that this this opportunity is sort of, you know, found him in a just a better life space. Uh, you know, motivated by his daughter, motivated by the success he's had, motivated by hopefully an organization that's truly sort of wrapped their arms around him. That we don't have to deal with that. But you know, at some point, something's going to happen, and it's not going to reflect well on John Dorsey and people, you know, again, and it's going to be something bigger, and it's going to have, people are going to have to be honest with themselves about it, and that's okay. They're not, he can't bat a thousand, uh, and he hasn't. You know, say what you will, if you're honest with yourself, you really like that third-round pick back for Tyrod Taylor. You didn't, you're not happy with six quarters for a third-round pick. That doesn't make the move indefensible. You can totally understand ten quarters. That. ten quarters. Yeah, you can totally understand that move at the time, but it didn't work, and you can say it didn't work. And that's especially not- when you had one overall, and you knew you were going quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, by all means, interact. I'm happy to interact, but if you're expecting me to just go, well, this is great because Dor- Dorsey, it's the not, it's not the account for you. It's never going to be the account for you. So just make peace with that. And look, and I'll be honest, there's some accounts that, you know, as time's gone on, I've interacted more and more and I can give them, no, this is what we see and this is why we see it. And it's okay. I don't necessarily agree and they move on. That's fine. I'm cool with it. Look, there's just no way. And I'll tell you right now, I'm married. I have two daughters. Do you think everything I say is agreed upon in this household? Hell no. Uh, I grew up with five brothers and sisters. Do you think every time I said something, everybody's like, ah, Jeff's the man. Well, I'm going to go, no. It's, it's nothing any different. And just like you all are not going to change your opinion, and that's fine. You're entitled to it. It doesn't mean that, especially when we put stuff out there that we put out there, we're not going to change it. Antonio Callaway? Yeah, uh, we can kind of look pretty bad here pretty soon. 
Um, and he's in a fantastic opportunity with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, two of the most successful receivers at this point in their careers. If he goes to them and he, you know things rub off and, and he gets more information from them, he, he, the guy has a chance to be a really damn good player in this league. Nothing would be better than Antonio Callaway proving us wrong by being, you know, a great human from this way out. That'd be, you know, it's the best type of wrong I could possibly ask for. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that he had the issues he had and that, you know, right now, especially in terms and at of- the time, it was a, it was not a really good gamble. Right. So, I mean, look, and if you're honest with yourself, you're going to be, I mean, Freddie Kitchen said as much. You're nervous for the next month and a half. That's you know you're you're hoping that he's not you know he or anyone else or Kareem Hunt's another one where they're not you know going around and hanging out with the guys that sort of lent them to get in trouble or they're not making the same decisions that put them in position where they get themselves in trouble. You know them proving us wrong from that standpoint would be great. It doesn't change the concerns that came came with them, but. You know, if 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 we're wrong that and Antonio Callaway is great and is a fantastic human, that's the best. It, you know, if it becomes a Tyreek Hill situation, you know, I'm not going to defend him for the sake of just because he's good. I'm just not interested. And that's maybe the the place where you know we're going to disagree with people, which I, you know I'm totally okay with. Yeah, and look, you know, that might be something for another episode because that's probably. 10 to 15 minutes of a show right there and I, I don't even want to scratch the surface but uh, you know everybody ah oh, well they cleared everybody of the broken arm but meanwhile everybody admitted to doing what they did to a three year old I'll be honest you know having two daughters that are 11 and 12 and they're now pushing their boundaries and they're older and they're wiser and you know when you have a discussion and a disagreement they can give it back and word it well that's difficult. A three-year-old, he, he, you know, all right, uh, do you want your snack? We're going to go play outside. All right, now it's lunchtime. Uh, am I, you know, how, you know, how am I cutting your grilled cheese? Am I cutting it into fours? Do you want it into triangles? Do you want it cut directly in half? That's the stuff you're dealing with with three-year-olds. So we'll, we'll save that, but that's probably something we should, we should get to. But And let's keep in mind that for Tyree Kill, it's not like it's strike two. It's like freaking strike 32 at this point um and this is still another one and, and look you give me a couple of questions so we'll get to this and this is uh at commander of awesome all right i, I can't believe anybody else didn't have that at um fifth and sixth wide receivers it, it's still a huge mixed bag it's going to pete i guess a how much they value the return game and can somebody like a damian you know she uh, giuseppe uh, fill that role. It'll be you know uh, whether an Ish Hyman can play some special teams. Um, Derek Willies is an interesting one because I haven't heard much at all about him. Um, my man Ratley's been a little bit in- injured, which is a little bit tough road for him. <sighs> Could they go the route of you know seeking a guy waiver wire or a guy get cut early or whatever who's got a good special teams res- resume? A guy like Jeff Janis may have been a good acquisition for this year. Um, Fifth and six, it's way for me. I guess Pete, it's just way too early in the game to try and peg that down. Well, here's what I will say as far as Giuseppe. Nobody in the NFL can make the team as just a kick returner. No, it's a useless skill for the most part. But can he play you know, gunner? Yeah, that'd be, like that. 
that is how you make the team if you're if you're that dude. You know, you become you become like Slater, Matt Slater with the Patriots, and that you're not just you are the guy who is any special team. You're out there and you're a dude on that team. You are a guy that's consistently making an impact. It, it you know you can say well they're they're keeping a kick returner that won't be the case it just won't you're either going to be able to do more than that or you're not going to make this team so you know from that standpoint if Giuseppe can be a great kick returner and he can be a gunner and all those uh, all those coverage units then he's got a shot in the same way that if you are uh, Derek Willies or Damian Ratley or any of those guys. Uh, you have to be able to contribute on special teams. You can't, it, it, it's impossible to to imagine either the fifth or sixth receiver making this team and not being a fixture on every special team, because I don't think any of the top four are going to be on like any of them. So you're either going to get it from that fifth and sixth receiver, or you're going to have to get it from basically your entire secondary and linebackers. So special teams will be critical. And the Browns have been super focused on special teams. Every draft pick had special teams uh, value. Every Most every trade has had, free, uh, has had special teams value. So if you're looking at fifth and sixth wide receiver or that back-end defensive back, watch special teams because those guys are going to have to own that unit. And I think that's the best hint you're going to get for Who's likely to make that make the team in that standpoint? I, I don't think it will be. Oh, this guy tore it up in in, in preseason games three and four. Had a bunch of catches. I, I think you really have to take the. You know, if if you're if you're trying to really figure out, you're going to have to really watch special teams units and see who's able to produce on that standpoint. And that's where a guy like uh, Tavier Thomas has a shot. In the same way that Giuseppe, you know, if you're if you're trying to make the case for him, Tavier Thomas is a corner, but he's really just a coverage guy, and he's great at it. And you know that you know is is that alone going to be enough to make the team, or do you have to be able to show something in coverage? These are the questions that they're going to sort of have to answer. But I mean, that's that's where a team like the Patriots is showing you, or the Ravens or another team. But the Patriots have a guy in Matt Slater who they've had for years and years and years. He's great. He does nothing but play special teams, and they have no problem keeping a roster spot for him. Do the Browns feel the same way? My inclination would be probably if they find somebody who's that good at it. And that would also, you know, if they can fill out, you know, if they can get your, if you get one more defensive tackle, then you can find some guys that say, "Yeah, you can maybe just be here because you know you, we we know and trust you to be a core special teamer." And and the other thing is is and to you know piggyback Pete's point here is even if you are a great receiver, even still, they have four good ones that Baker should have a really good relationship with. So even if one is laid up for a week and you still got three, and you have the backs, and you have the tight ends, and you can just adjust from there. So even to say, oh, well, he's going to be the fourth wide receiver this week, it, it doesn't mean you're going to go get the 35, 40 snaps. If they've run 70 plays that a Beckham, Higgins, Callaway, or Landry would get, it's, you know, so you've got you to do the brunt work. You've got to do the dirty work, and you got to hope that, uh, you know, Eventually, maybe somehow, some way, you'd get the shot. But right now, at wide receiver, 
the, the shot is doing the dirty work because there's just too many mouths to feed. And, you know, as the fifth wide receiver, you know, you'd be lucky if he got to see six, seven balls this season, if that. Um, from at Scooby Snacks, is there really a Santa Claus? Yes, there is. And his actual real name is Baker Mayfield. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Mm-mm-mm. Um, no, uh, from Giovanni, uh, thank you, sir, but no, neither Pete or I are playing in the Jarvis Landry celebrity softball game, and let's see, if he's pitching, I want to see what hands he's going to use if he's going to throw the ball underhound, because, you know, he's a weirdo like that, like Pete, where you can use both hands, you all freaks. Um, Giovanni Ravise, um, okay, uh, yeah, as much as you know, uh, my daughter had her talent show today. Um, her and a couple of friends, they reenacted the Avril Lavigne song, video for skater boy and it killed it was good uh my daughter hope uh fifth grader uh my daughter avery the oldest one she is smart as a whip she is 12 and a half and i probably have more meaningful conversations with avery than i do my wife um she's by far the smartest kid probably academically she's the smartest person in this house she absorbs she's a freaking sponge um, she shows aptitude for school that neither I never did, nor my wife. I don't, you know, she looks like me. She looks like my wife. We're pretty sure she's ours. So, you know, but uh, look, the girl's great. I absolutely love having it. Um, I'm just trying to think if there was anything we didn't get to here. Um, and biggest, all right, yeah, all right, I'll give this one to you, Pete, here. Biggest remaining hole on the Browns roster as it's currently constructed. It's a damn good question. Uh, I would still be inclined to say backup defensive tackle, although I was thinking about it, uh, you know, driving up to football workouts, and I am not convinced the Browns won't do some shopping at linebacker. Um, it's not because they need starters. Uh, it's 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 if they whether or not they feel good enough about their backups. Um, and guys are going to play on special teams. I have talked about Mac Wilson. I don't think it's a lock he's going to make the team. I think there are guys like uh, uh, Diedrich Young and uh, Willie Harvey that could push him. But, you know, when I'm thinking it from that standpoint, along with like, guys like a Darius Taylor and that, yeah, I, I can't help but wonder if the Browns are satisfied with what they have or if they're going to keep trying to find uh, more guys there. Now, it, it, you know, from what I understand, you know, from, from people who have been watching, they like what they've seen from Willie Harvey. They like what they've seen from Mac Wilson uh, early on. And, and maybe those things will sort of answer their own question. But that that's a position I would keep an eye on as we start going and seeing if they try to bring in, you know, if somebody gets released unexpectedly or there's a nice opportunity to bring in a veteran late. Uh, that they don't add something again. I mean, they're really trying to just play two linebackers, so it becomes less of an issue of, you know, do you need them because you need players? But at the same time, if, if somebody goes down, uh, then what? And and I don't know if they like their answer at that point right now. Yeah. Um. For me, look, I, I'll get to this too because there's something I do want to mention uh, that I, I had in the notes that I wanted to get to. Um. Yeah. It, it is defensive tackle. You can't tell me. You really, really wanted Gerald McCoy. You put on a really good press. You had him in. You tried to sell it really hard. Um, you know Baker, who knows him. You had him be in communication with him. So you can't tell me you were really in on Gerald McCoy, but it didn't work out, and then say, yeah, we're okay with what's in-house. 
So that is by for me by far, and this that confirms and this started days after the 2018 draft, Pete. And you know, I we came to you, and you know, wh- what do you think? And the holes are filled, and you know, I always go back to it's barren. Defensive tackle depth is barren. But you can't say you really, really wanted Gerald McCoy. You put a press on. You didn't get him, and then just say, "Ah, we'll go with what's in house." It, it, it doesn't like that doesn't jive. And so, defensive tackle, you know, you can give up a draft pick if there's somebody you think that fits. Go get them. Um, and I do want to mention uh, from the OBR, Tony Pauline, um, Trent Williams. Look, as far as anyone knows right now. The Redskins are not fielding calls of anything of that nature. If they decide to start fielding calls, the Browns would have interest. So that's where we're at on that. This is something that will obviously go on. Um, I did talk to, uh, I have one, our host for Locked on Redskins. He is a radio guy down in D.C., so he knows the Redskins well. And he said, look, there are concerns about Trent Williams. And, you know, for Trent Williams to say, you know, through his people that he's upset with the Redskins, the way they handled him injury-wise, he says it does kind of line up that maybe there are some concerns about, you know, what's left of Trent Williams as a player, you know, with his injuries. Who knows? Obviously, you know, yeah, everybody's doctor, you know, anywhere he's going to go, you know, doctors are going to check him out. But it's so it's twofold, you know. Trent Williams upset, saying there he's upset with the way they handle his injuries, which makes you do believe there's some credibility to the fact of you know how much is there there with his injuries. So you know, but look, you know, Trent Williams is a player, and look if it you know, you know if it, bring in Trent Williams, kick Greg to right, move out and out from Chris Hubbard, whatever. But it, it's you know, if that situation were to come to pass where Trent Williams was going to go to the market. There is some thought the Browns would have interest, but of course you have no idea what you know compensation is. It's a little early in that stage, uh, so you know, I think we put a good bow on this. Pete, NFL wise, league wise, Browns wise, anything we missed? I don't think so. I think uh, we got everything. I mean, that, that's the thing is right now you've got the Ravens and the Bengals in minicamp, so there's stuff coming out from them. And you know, today it was issues that are way bigger than anything the Browns are dealing with right now. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, when you're listed at 340 and your coach yanks you off the field because he thinks you're too fat, um, A number one, good move because if you're listed at 340 and your coach says you're weighing too much and you might be too fat and gets you off the field, what are you actually weighing? Is a scary freaking thought. Um, and also, I mean, you know, look, it's always the saga with these bigger guys. When they carry a ton of weight, I mean, you have so much more you have to worry about. Because there are so many factors that goes along with it, but you also have to worry about you know where is your focus, where's your determination, and what are you doing with your off season? Uh, look, everybody likes to eat, but you know y- you can't put that stress on your body, whether it's you know hips, knees, ankles, Achilles, whatever. It's you know it's hard enough to be a heavier player and play a sport like this, and it's hard you know if you can't keep winning the battle with the weight that's something it, it's it, it's tough and it, it, look I, I feel bad for him because like when you're overweight sometimes it's it, it's difficult to control yourself but that was just a crazy scenario with that with michael pierce as well uh pete brown's maven uh what's been going on over there what can everybody expect 
Uh, more videos up. A lot of articles today, especially with that, and 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 bringing up uh, Gilbert Brown in response uh, in, in uh, oh the grave digger. Indeed, and, and that video is on there uh, for anyone interested. But yeah, uh, mentioning the Gilbert Burger of a you know speaking of a man who battled uh, battled with four spins at, at various points in his career. And, and if you've seen a picture of him lately, he looks great. Like he lost a ton of weight. He's like half of Gil- Gilbert Brown was. Uh, for people old enough to remember, and if, if, you, if you're not old enough to remember him, go to the article. Look, guy was quick and fierce off the point, enormous, and uh, helped them win a Super Bowl along with Reggie White and those guys. But yeah, so a lot of videos, a lot of articles up today that will continue. Uh, certainly, keeping an eye on the Bengals and and, and Ravens minicamp. You know, still talking about you know what we have to look forward to and all those good things. Uh, yeah, so uh, piece work over at Browns Maven, which can be followed. On Twitter at BrownsMaven, uh, t- BrownsMaven.com, uh, at underscore Pete Smith. Make sure you're following Pete. Uh, guys, look, it, it, none of this we take personally as far as anything goes on social media. I think a lot of you do, and I do get a kick out of the continuous people who set up the burner accounts with one or two followers, and you act like you're not a new burner account and you were just created this month or whatever. I'll give you like a small do, and then you go to the route where you lie, and that's where I'm done, and you get sent packing. So just stop. If you want to talk ball or whatever, and look, we accept the disagreement, and that's that's is what it is. It's cool, you know. But it seems like you guys get upset that we will not agree with you. But meanwhile, in the same respect, you won't agree with us. That's fine. But you know, that's what football conversation is for. And there's plenty of folks out there who will just have the football conversation, it's cool. And that that is the cool part of it, and that's the cool part of social media, and that is what I do appreciate. And Because even last night, I was sitting here, and Mets and Yankees were rained out, and all this Duke stuff was going on. And I kept looking. I'm like, no, Jeff, you don't want to do this tonight. You don't want to do this tonight. And the next thing I know, I sent one off. And I'm like, ah, crap. Here we go. And just, you know, and whatever. And down the rabbit hole it went or whatever. You know, I should know better. I really should. But... Be that as it may. You know, hey, it is what it is. As my, You guys do it. We do it. We're all guilty of it. Um, to the sponsors, whether it is Hotels.com, whether it's fine folks over at Himalaya, Grip6, Untuckit.com. Um, thank everybody for, uh, you know, their contribution to the show and their sponsorship. It greatly, greatly appreciate you. Uh, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, we always keep a follow-back account. So, uh, you know, follow over there. Uh, so many of you avoid Twitter, and over the last couple of days, I can completely understand why. Send a direct message over to, you know, Locked on Browns. Anything you need, want, or stuff you'd like incorporated in the show, go ahead and hit me up over there. Me personally, at Jeff underscore uh, LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, throw a follow over there. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.